eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, everybody, we have made it to the end of the training camp portion of the schedule, at least in Rochester. Matt Bovey here, joined by Sal Capaccio for another episode of It Is Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal, are you going to miss the dorms? You know, I kind of do a little bit. I don't like miss necessarily just hanging out in my dorm room, but how much time do we really do that? What I'm going to miss is being around people like you, our friends, our colleagues, hanging out, going out to dinner, going out to play golf, you know, just getting up in the morning and the, you know, I, I love football, Matt, you know that, like I'm a football junkie. And literally when I get up in the morning, like it's another day of football and it just gets into my blood. Right. And I'm right there on campus. I will miss that part of it. You know what? It's funny. It's one of those things where you like when it's happening, it becomes a little bit monotonous. And Mm -hmm. there have been times at camp when I'm like, man, I just can't wait for the season to start. I can't wait to be back home. But then I know right when it ends, there's going to be days when I miss it. And I'm going to be like, man, there is something kind of therapeutic about waking up, getting something to eat, having a cup of coffee, and then spending your entire day thinking about football. And then once your workday is done, maybe going to play around golf maybe going to have a drink or two like that is pretty fun. So I'm going to miss that, but it was a good, it was really fun to be back in Rochester. It was great. It was great to see all the fans. You know, I think connecting back with the fans out there, the fans who come that can have that personal experience with us, with the players was really cool to see to cover and to be a part of, quite frankly, right? I mean, we get a chance to meet with fans. We get a chance to talk to people who say, hey, we listen to the Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. Hey, we watch you guys on TV. You know, we see you on Channel 7, listen to you on WGR. And on that note, Matt, it was really cool. Like, remember, we did the where to go, what to do kind of thing to eat. I went to the Pittsburgh pub one day, and I'm sitting there, and these two guys were sitting nearby. They had Bill's gear on, and a guy looks at me and says, the only reason I'm here is because you and Matt Bove talked about this place on your podcast. And I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. So I guess the power of podcasting and I guess quasi-advertising works. We didn't we didn't get anything from it, which is great. That's <laughs> not what we asked for. We just were telling you where to go and it looked like, you know, it worked. So that was good. 
Yeah, it was great to catch up with people. It was great to see all the fans back. It was great to have like the real training camp experience and what a difference it was from training camp in 2019 compared to training camp in 2022. The star power in this team is pretty ridiculous. Back in 2019, Josh Allen still trying to find his way going into a season where there were a lot of questions about him. There was no Stefan Diggs. The number one receiver on that team was John Brown. And of course, Von Miller wasn't here. The number one pass rusher on the team was Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is a very good player. Jerry Hughes is not a superstar in the NFL. So it's funny how over the just relatively short amount of time, the Bills have gone from, yeah, it's a team that's contending for a playoff spot, but a lot's got to go right for them to ultimately get there to wow, this is the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. And I feel like that's kind of a natural segue into the next thing we want to talk about. And it's something that a lot of people have wanted to talk about back here in Western New York or wherever you're listening, if you're a Bills fan, is should the Bills be interested in signing Odell Beckham Jr.? Von Miller is not easing off on the get you, the pedals down. He is in recruiting mode. He is trying to get his friend to join him in Buffalo and go chase another ring. He's been posting about it on social media. So it's a very fun topic. I think it's especially fun for Bills fans because they don't like the Bills don't need Odell Beckham. It's not like he is the missing piece that ultimately could get them there. He's just kind of another flashy, fun new toy. So, Sal, I'll let you start. What do you think? Do you think he could be the missing piece in November or December, though? I think that's the question the Bills are going to wrestle with, right? If if there's anything to the Bills actually trying to go this route, which we don't know. I think that's the question that they'd have to answer, and it have to be yes, which is he might not be a missing piece right now. I mean, he's recovering from an ACL. He's probably not going to play until November. We need to see what we have out of our receivers. But, man, when it gets to November, December, and you have injuries and guys getting banged up, and you have a guy that just won a Super Bowl, was on that team, who's obviously put time in this league and is very good at what he does, I think that question kind of changes. The answer, at least, I think, Matt, kind of changes to, yeah, I think we could use him. But I still think there's two components to this. Odell wanting to do it and the Bills wanting to do it. Uh And those could be two very, very different things because I think he wants a job and wants to play. I think he wants to win. I just don't know if that would fit into the Bills' plans and if they want to do something like this. I am of the belief that you can never have too many weapons. So in my mind, if he really wants to come here, if he expresses interest and he's like, yeah, Vaughn, I want to come play with you in Buffalo, I think you guys got a chance to win a Super Bowl. Then I think the Bills should definitely be exploring the option of having him here. For me, almost every decision personnel-wise comes down to risk-reward. And I don't think there's a ton of risk involved here. I think your risk is, well, maybe he doesn't come back until November, December. Maybe he takes away some snaps from Gabriel Davis or from Isaiah McKenzie. But besides that, I don't really think there's a lot of risk. The reward is... He is an insurance policy if any of your top receivers go down. He's a very dynamic player who can completely wreck a a game plan for an opponent. And then I just keep thinking, if you roll out your three best receivers on the field and you have Stephon Diggs, Odell Beckham Jr., and Gabriel Davis, how are defenses going to stop that? Just like, like, what are they going to do to stop that? So it's almost like, okay... You can compete, and and once the playoffs happen, like weird things go down. Like you've got to win a game sometimes in a track meet. Sometimes it's a defensive battle. Sometimes it's a combination of both. Last year, the Bills won in a blowout, and then they lost a heartbreaking heartbreaking game in a track meet. Well, they went out and got the guy who's the closer, who's supposed to be able to close out those games, but 
who knows if they had Odell Beckham on the field, maybe they score in every possession like they did against the Patriots the week before. So to me, if there is mutual interest and it's not like an insane amount of money that he's asking for, I kind of think it's a no brainer, at least on like a one or two year deal. All right. So let's go back to the risk reward part. See, I do think there's some risk here. Now it's not overly risky because uh-huh. there's two parts. There's on the field and off the field risk on the field is, do you know he's going to be healthy to play? Like if you're going to invest your time, your money, and your resources to bring him in, you got to be kind of confident of that. Now it's not overly risky because like you said, it doesn't have to be this big deal. And what if he's not, then it maybe never works out. That's fine. But I think once you go down, this is not just a guy off the street who's no name. This is Odell Beckham Jr. If you're going to bring him into your team, there's an expectation, you know, he he's going to command media attention, things like that. You're going to be talking about him. And if you're going to go down the road of putting in resources, financial resources, time, coaching, rehab, everything, I think you need to kind of know that he's going to work out for you. Because if all of a sudden he's not playing in November, it's like, what did you do that for? All of this time and resources kind of maybe steered us a little bit away from what our what we were trying to do with the rest of the group we have here. Now, you could justify that. I think the biggest risk is what it's always been with Odell Beckham. What kind of teammate is he? Mm-hmm. What kind of locker room guy is he? How does he fit into this group? We all know what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are all about. Matt, I think even you would agree that if you and I were having this conversation three years ago, we both say there's no way they're doing that. There's just 100%. no way. There's 100%. no way that guy's coming in, right? So I do think, though, they've operated differently because they need to. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. Three years ago, they also wouldn't have signed Von Miller to six years and $120 million <laughs> because they're trying to win a Super Bowl. So those are the questions that you have to ask. And I do think that can be risky. What? You, you don't know. I can, I can guarantee you they're not going to do this without, if they do it all, without a lot of reconnaissance and intel on what that would do with his teammates in the locker room. And if they're okay with it, then fine. But I do think that you have to consider all of that. Well, I think back to when there have been rumblings about Odell Beckham Jr. and not working out in like a locker room setting. And I think back to the organizations where that became an issue. Right. And I almost feel like he should get the benefit of the doubt instead of the organization, especially in Cleveland, because it seems like it's just an absolute mess over there. So I'm going to just kind of like push that to the side and be like, okay, it didn't work in Cleveland. And I know a lot of fans are like, we don't need him. They can win the Super Bowl without him. Well, maybe they can, but the guy also just helped the Rams win a Super Bowl a couple months ago, and the Bills still haven't won the Super Bowl. So to say, oh, the Bills can do it without him, maybe, but maybe it would be better to actually have him there too, and you could have even more weapons for Josh Allen. And I I think the thing that makes me comfortable with it is Stephon Diggs is the leader of that room, and I don't think Odell Beckham getting added into that would be taking anything away from Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen is the leader of the entire team. And I don't think Odell Beckham would be a threat to Josh Allen or anything like that. I think the perfect scenario here would be if the Bills could wait and play their first month or two of the season and see if they think that they need him and then ultimately have the conversation and make the decision. But I don't think they'll have the luxury of having that happen. Like, I think a team is going to go right. sign Aldell Beckham probably in the next month just because they want to know that, okay, halfway through the season, we're going to have that guy. So the Bills have to figure out, do we want to be that team? Do we want to let him rehab here and just basically have him try and get healthy for the final stretch in the playoffs? Or 
do they risk it and say like, we don't need him right now. We'll circle back to this in two months. And if there's an injury or if there's, you know, a lack of production from a player we were expecting more from, then maybe they have the conversation again. But to me, like I said, I think the reward far outweighs the risk. And if it's not super expensive, I would be very interested if I was Brandon Bean in signing him. I want to make it clear that I'm not predicting he would be any sort of issue. And I'm not telling you he, anybody he would be. What I do believe, though, is this is not your run-of-the-mill average player. This is a guy with name recognition that's going to have media attention on him. He's going to be this a talk. He's going to be a story. In a season where you're trying to keep everything straight and narrow and on the rails, you want to make sure that you keep it that way, right? So I think that's what you have to guard against to make sure he doesn't become the story, even if he's not trying to be. Even if he's a great teammate, you know that th- that noise is going to be there. It's going to be media attention and things like that. That's true. What you said is exactly right, though, Matt, which is there is a time component here. If you wait, another team might get him, including a team in your conference that you're competing with, Kansas City, That's Baltimore, I mean. right? I mean, how does that look? What do you do? If you if you don't wait and you get him in early, say, well, you know, maybe we don't need him. But the benefit is he's in your building with your trainers, with your coaching staff, learning your playbook, watchful eye of everybody what he's supposed to be doing all the time that when he's ready, he can hit the ground running. So if you, but you can also just wait, like you said, and wait it out and say, maybe, you know, our guys are really good. We don't need it. So there probably is more of a benefit to getting him in early rather than late. The only risk would be you get him in early. He doesn't actually work out physically. And then you say, you know what? We, we tried this. We spent some money. We put time and resources. And again, that's not a huge deal, but it's something you have to think about. I think it's a super fascinating conversation because I think, it really goes to the heart of where this team has gone and this organization has gone in five years under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. My two closing points on this conversation, and I, I you know how I said I want to lean into the like the villain role on this yeah. podcast as opposed to the hero role. Here are my two closing thoughts. The first one is I've had a lot of Bills fans tweet at me or just tweet out in general that the Bills don't need him to win a Super Bowl. They have what it takes. And while I think the Bills are very good and I think the Bills probably do have what it takes, guess what? They haven't done it yet. They haven't won the Super Bowl. And the only guy really on the team with any significance that it has is Von Miller. And he just literally won a Super Bowl with Odell Beckham. So to me, I'm like, listen, I think if that guy trusts yep, him and that agreed. guy thinks that it can push him over the edge, then I think you ultimately do it. So that's just kind of my thing. And my other point was, and I saw somebody else say this on social media, and I think it's a really good point. It might've even been Jeremy, but fan bases never are too critical when teams go all in, when they're in their Super Bowl window. Nobody's ever like, man, I wish we would have been a little bit less aggressive. (laughs) Everybody's like, go all in. Like right now you have a great hand and you're sitting at the poker table go in, like try and go for it. Don't be timid. And I don't think Brandon Bean is that type of guy. I still don't think it's going to happen, but I also don't think it's crazy that it might. So for me, it's kind of just like, if it happens, great. It's another weapon. The bills become that much more dangerous. If it doesn't happen, not a huge deal. Bills are still really good. Just hope he doesn't go to a team that you're going to be trying to compete with to ultimately get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember last year right around the trade deadline. Why are the Bills not doing anything when the Rams went and got Von Miller? And Uh people are very critical. You're right if you're not going to try and go all in at that particular moment. But Brandon Bean has always operated in a not only here and now, but future, right? I mean, he has to keep all that in mind. Well, that's and that that's an interesting point because 
Obviously, they get Von Miller, and you can't change the past. But if the Bills made the move for Von Miller last year when the Rams did, are the Bills the Super Bowl champions? Because I think they are. It's a great question to ponder and probably one that we should save for another day because <laughs> now I'm, my brain is spinning for sure. Uh, the Bills have kind of wrapped up, I guess, training camp. When Matt and I are doing this, they do have a couple practices left. But I think we've seen enough, Matt, for us to hand out some training camp awards. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Matt Bove, Channel 7 Sports Director, here with me, Sal Capaccio, on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. We're going to do some training camp awards. Now, I have to uh, make sure we give a shout-out to our colleague, Joe Biscalia, over at The Athletic. Joe used to do training camp awards all the time, and... I never wanted to touch it myself because that's his thing, right? I mean, that, that's a great yeah. idea. I love it. So when, when we kind of discussed this, we wanted to make sure that, you know, I think we have Joe's blessings. I don't think he's done it in a few years, right? But he, ha- yeah. he did do that. And he's kind of the original Bill's Training Camp Awards guy, right? Well, it sounded like such a good idea. And then I messaged <laughs> him and I was like, hey, when we worked together, like every day, did you do Training Camp Awards? And that's why it's in the back of my head. And he was like, yeah, but I haven't done them in a long time. So go ahead. So I was like, okay. Thank you, Joe. So yes, we have Joe's blessing on this, which I we, which we appreciate. We could have always just called it like something different and just tried to be sneaky and been like, oh, training camp report card, but it is what it is. Yeah. So um, we it's uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? So there you yeah. go. So so we uh we're, we're stealing Joe's original kind of idea here that he did, and um, we're gonna give our own training camp awards. I don't know exactly which ones he gave out necessarily every year. They're probably different, but here are the ones we're gonna do. We're gonna start off with. Rookie of camp. Let's go offensive and defensive rookie of camp. I'll let you start, and then I'll start on the second one. So you go offensive rookie of camp. Okay. Um, I don't think there are a ton of really options for this mm-hmm. one. Just kind of ba- – well, you know what? It's funny. Actually, I just talked myself out of it. I'm going Khalil Shakir. Okay. I was going to go James Cook just because I think he is going to make a more immediate impact, but Khalil Shakir has been a pleasant surprise for me, and actually, I just did it. It's Khalil Shakir, not Khalil Shakir, Mm -hmm. so I'm sorry, Khalil. I know we had you on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but he has been really dynamic. He has made a bunch of big plays. Now, he was a little bit banged up towards the end of training camp. I think they're just being overly cautious, and then at the biggest practice of camp when we were inside the stadium, he was one of the guys who kind of stole the show, so... I think he his he he already had a roster spot locked up. I think he's earned a crack at some playing time. I don't think it's going to be a ton, but I think it's going to be here and there. I think Cook will get more snaps just because of the draft capital that they used. But up until this point, I've been more impressed with Shakir than with Cook. All right. So obviously, they're really the only two. And I don't know if it's sexy or not to agree with you, 
but I'm going to agree with you. I've seen a lot from Khalil Shakur. I really like what he brings. I'm going to also go with him as the offensive rookie of camp. Defensive rookie, maybe we have the same. We'll find out here. I'm going to go with linebacker Terrell Bernard. Uh, he is the third-round pick out of Baylor, and boy, Matt, I think he has really good cover skills. I've been super impressed with him in that area. I think there's going to be eventually a conversation about him maybe becoming the new middle linebacker and letting Tremaine Edmonds, you know, go after the season, after his contract is up, but that's a contract for, or that's a, I'm sorry, discussion for later on for right now. I think that the bills did a nice job to secure themselves a nice backup linebacker who could play himself into more time. And even in some situations where teams might go heavier and you have to cover some tight ends. Okay, for the sake of the conversation, I would have also went with Terrell Bernard, but I am going to go with Christian Benford because he has been Mm -hmm. a pleasant surprise for me. And, you know, with the sixth round pick, sometimes those guys make it, but more recently, a lot of times on this roster, they don't. But it's a position where the Bills don't have a ton of depth. It's a position where there are some questions, and he has made some splash plays. They seem to trust him, at least when he's on the field in a more secondary you know, role, but that's okay because you need guys like that. So I think he is going to play a role on special teams. I think he, if called upon, could probably be thrown into the mix. I don't think the Bills want him to. Obviously, he was a six-round pick, and they used the first-round pick on somebody at the same position, but... I've really been impressed by him. So I'm going to give him a little shout out, even though I would say my rookie, you know, MVP on defense would be Terrell Bernard. All right, let's go to most improved. Now, just to clarify for everyone, this is most improved from the start of camp to the end of camp. What we've seen from someone from the very beginning. And then at the end, we're like, okay, how about this guy? You start us off most improved. Isaiah Hodgins. For me, I like it a lot. It's going to be the guy. I was going to go with another Isaiah, but I feel like we've talked about Isaiah McKenzie plenty during this training camp. Mm -hmm. Isaiah Hodgins going into camp was one of those players to me who I didn't see any path to the 53, but I was like, well, you could probably stash him on the practice squad. And, you know, in case of emergency, you can break the glass. It just feels like every practice we have been out there, he has made some big plays and he has been somebody that they've been able to lean into now becomes the bigger tests. Can you do it in preseason games? Can you do it when you get those snaps? Can you stay healthy? But I've really been impressed with him. Just, I guess the reason I've been so impressed is because the expectations weren't terribly high, but I think he's carved out a a shot at making the 53 And three weeks ago. I would have never thought that I'm going to go with AJ Epinesa. I think when you showed up, when they show up at camp, there's no pads on, you're not really seeing, you know, you can't get to the quarterback and I obviously still can't, but there's a lot less of the one-on-one, you know, physicality and stuff. You know, he, 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 sir, he looks okay. But I think that, you know, really kind of the strides he's made and what I've seen from him lately, I think this is, this is a guy that's improved a lot. And really you go back to his first two years in the league. We've seen some flashes from him, but he hasn't really hit that ceiling yet. I think that everybody thinks he can hit in the organization at least. And maybe he'll never be a double-digit sack guy. Probably not. But I think there's something in there that he needs to get to another level. I've seen him at least step it up, I think, here at this camp. And I think that he's playing pretty well. And I think he had a really good Friday night, by the way, at the scrimmage um, you know, in front, of, in front of fans at Highmark Stadium as well. And I think it speaks volumes too that like Von Miller basically got that day off after the individual yeah. drills. And they were rolling out with him and 
Greg Rousseau, mm-hmm. not Shaq Lawson, a veteran, not Boogie Basham, a guy who was drafted a year more recent. So, yeah, I think that AJ Appanessa has had a very nice camp up to this point. And I know he's kind of gotten a lot of attention because a lot of people have been talking about him. But who knows if he can be your kind of depth rotational guy who occasionally can provide you with some pressures or a sack here and there. Like this team kind of needs that. So that would be a big void for them. Let's go to biggest surprise so far. This could be in the on the positive or negative side. You start us off. Well, actually, I guess I start us off on this one, yeah. right? My big surprise is the guy that you already named as your rookie defensive player. That is Christian Bernard. I mean, look, I'm going to do a, hey, I was wrong here because I've been saying since day one, this kid's going to be on the practice squad. Come on, coming from Villanova. There's no way he makes the team. I mean, he's on track to make this roster. At this point, he probably does. We'll see what happens in the preseason. But I'm stunned that this rookie from Villanova, not even an FCS school, is basically um, wait, not an FBS school, right? Not not from the foot, not Division yeah. One, basically One A. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. the, the the letters always confuse me these days. He came from Villanova. I to to play in in this secondary and to get the kind of time he's getting and the role he's getting. I'm just super surprised, to be honest with you. I never thought that would happen for him. For me, it's the involvement of Zach Moss, and I know we've talked about it on episodes in the past, but like Zach Moss is getting reps, Zach Moss is getting carries, and Zach Moss is getting snaps with you know the starters, basically. So to me, it feels like he is definitely making this team, and he's probably playing a bigger role on this team than I would have thought he did. That doesn't necessarily mean he's done anything that's been like, oh, wow, this is so impressive. Like He has been exceptional this summer i wouldn't even go there i just think the bills have bigger plans for him than maybe we thought they were going to so that has been a surprise to me because i was pretty adamant on the podcast even a couple months ago before camp like i was like hey there's a chance that he doesn't even make the 53 now i think he's definitely making the 53 and he's probably going to get a lot more run than people were anticipating. So fantasy football players, beware, because there are a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Pun absolutely intended. (laughs) I love it. By the way, uh, yeah, Villanova, FCS, football subdivision. That is not FBS. See, I knew I was right, but I wanted to make sure. But FBS is, you know, your SECs and ACCs of the world. But Christian Benford came from a non-FBS school. That is Villanova. All right, let's get to player who has locked up a roster spot. So you'll go first on this one. Who do you think you're saying now is absolutely on the 53? Can I like grab the low hanging fruit? Is that okay? I think we're going to do the same thing here. I have the same one probably by you saying that. Go ahead. Reggie Gilliam. Yes, that was my guy, but that's okay. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's kind of obvious. It is, but you signed a two-year contract extension. That's what I mean. Like clearly he is doing something right that the Bills felt like he should be rewarded with a new contract. And he even said, like, I wasn't anticipating this was going to happen. I just kind of woke up and the Bills came to me. So shout out to a dude from the Mac who kind of had to pave his own way to the NFL and has made plays kind of limited here and there, but they love him on special teams. They love his versatility. You can line him up at fullback. You can line him up at tight end. You can line him up at running back. You can do a little bit of everything thing with him so clearly him getting the contract means that he is going to be on the 53-man roster and who knows maybe he kind of becomes one of those special teams specialists and is on this team for a long time because he is so young and I'm talking about like those guys like Taiwan Jones makes NFL teams because of special teams Tyler Medikevich makes NFL teams because of how good he is at special teams same thing with Saran Neal Reggie Gilliam is young 
He's homegrown. Maybe you get him in now. You can use him a little bit here and there, and eventually he turns into one of those guys. I like it. I was going to choose Gilliam as well. I mean, obviously it is low-hanging fruit. I agree with you. It's easy to say now. He um, he got the contract extension. I'll throw another name out there, and only because I think the way the roster looked heading in, people were like, oh, is he safe? Tyrell Dodson's making this team. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's a he's the backup linebacker. He's backing up Matt Milano, even even you know Tremaine Edmonds. But it, not that it was necessarily a question for most people, maybe listening. But I think there were some rumblings out there of ooh, they drafted Bernard, they still made a Kavich, they Marco Lee, Andre Smith's going to be suspended, then come back. What do they do? Look, Tyrell Dodson's on the fifty-three. I don't see any other way to cut it here at, at this point. All right, we got a few more of these awards to get to from twenty twenty-two training camp. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast, it's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Matthew, so let's get to the nitty-gritty here, some of the real big awards. I mean, I don't know what we're going to give these people. We got some actual trophies we can hand out? or <laughs> I could give – you know what you could do? You could give them your closest to pin medal that you got when you were at the Eric Wood Golf Foundation – I'm sorry, the Oshai tournament with the for the Evan Wood Fund. Yeah, it's still on the coffee table. It's one of those <laughs> things that, like, I don't have the heart to throw it out, be- oh. but I also don't know what I'll ever do with it. So it's just kind of sitting in an envelope on my coffee table. So maybe that maybe we can present that to Reggie Gilliam or something, and he would be really, really honored to have that medal that was probably $3 at a trophy store somewhere in <laughs> Western New York. All right, let's, um, let's get to best play. Do you have one in mind? I'll let you start. Do you have a best play from camp that comes to mind? Yeah, I have two okay. that stand out. I like the f- it. The first one is your bunker shot at Arondacoy that <laughs> solved all of your bunker problems. Yes, thank you to you. Yes, just, very nice. Just keep, just keep the face open. Okay. But the real one to me is it was in right in the middle of camp. I don't remember the day it was. The offense was having a putrid performance. They couldn't get anything going. And Josh Allen threw a pass that was batted at the line by a defender. Don't even know who did it. And Deion Dawkins caught it in stride and took it all the way to the house for a touchdown. Flipped into the end zone. The Bills then posted it with some like beautiful music behind it. Like it was this masterpiece <laughs> of a play. So to me, that was kind of like the most fun play of training camp. And that's probably the one I'll remember the most. I would say if you're talking about just like best actual play, it was very insignificant because it didn't really mean anything in the scope of like training camp as a whole. But I remember I was standing kind of at the pylon on the sideline where the offense would be standing at training camp. And I was watching just an 11 on 11 drill right when they put on the pads, probably the second or third day with the pads on and Allen just 
found OJ Howard on this throw where he just so perfectly looked off the safeties that it was just like to see it from that angle. Like you yeah. see it from like the all 22 camera, you see it from the broadcast, but to see it from like the field level, because I was kind of standing like right in this perfect gap of where he was looking. So you kind of just saw the first read was Diggs, The second read was Davis. And then he kind of saw that Howard had the seam and he just perfectly looked off the safety, the safety bit. And then he just threw this absolute dart down the middle to OJ Howard. And that was kind of one of those moments where you're like, wow, like, there are very few guys because there's a lot of quarterbacks who can look off the safety and know to make that play. Yeah. There are very few guys who can execute it the way he can and then ultimately hit the, you know, in this case, Howard with just an absolute dart. So to me, that was the play that was like, whoa, like you were in the corner of the end zone or were you like behind the officer defense? I was in between where the field goal post would be in the corner okay. behind the end zone. I like it. I like that area. I mean, like, so it's funny, Mark Kelso, who did color commentary for the Bills radio network, for quite a few years. And, you know, he was my colleague and obviously was a safety in the NFL and played for the four Super Bowl teams for the Bills. Because he played safety, whenever he would show up to practice, he would literally walk down to the back of the end zone and stand under the goalpost so he could see it as he was an actual safety in the NFL because that's how he he saw the game. Mm -hmm. And that's how he could tell you exactly what was going on, which is cool. And it's a great angle. But not everybody can do that, right? You Depending on how you consume football and what is best for you, you might have to watch it from the 50-yard line. You might have to watch it from field level on the sidelines, but it's cool how you can get those certain angles, and sometimes you're like, oh, my God, I'm right in this perfect spot. I was in a, a couple of perfect spots for some great plays. Really, this my two plays are both Josh Allen throws. I do have two of them. One was on a two-minute drill to um, Dawson Knox. He literally threaded the needle between three defenders in the middle of the field. I don't know. I don't know how he got it there exactly in line with how he should have and did, but he did. But that was one. But the, the one that really stands out was the offense had a great, great one-on-one -on -one session. You remember that day that, that the receivers were just eating up the DBs? It was like yeah. a week ago, right? Yeah. They come out in one of the very first plays of 11-on-11. 11 11, Gabe Davis is streaking yeah. down the sidelines. Josh throws a ball that, I mean, is the most perfectly placed deep ball you could have. Gabe Davis literally just puts his hands out Kind of, kind of full, but not even. Elbows bent a little bit. Drops it right in the bucket in complete stride. I mean, he did not. It's like a ballet dancer just going completely smooth right over the head of Dane Jackson and just before DeMar Hamlin could get there. It was so beautiful. Like, that's what you want to see from your franchise quarterback to the guy in Gabe Davis who should be this breakout receiver this year. It yeah, was awesome. And speak to your last point. I am so all in on Gabe Davis. Yeah. Like, so, like, just He's had a great camp. I, he has been so good. He has lived up to the already very high expectations that people had for him. And, you know, like, we do this for a living, but I also love football. So I listen to fantasy football podcasts and yep. I listen to different people and I read all these different things about just fantasy football players that you should want to be targeting. And Gabe Davis is very polarizing. Everybody seems to think that he is going to have a big breakout year. The question is like, okay, where is the right place to draft him? Because I don't think he's going to be a huge reception guy, but right. I do think he is going to be a touchdown monster. And he's probably going to have some big chunk plays. I, I just think that double-digit touchdowns is a very realistic expectation for Gabe Davis. I think with all of those targets that now long no longer go to Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley, he is going to be even more involved. And I just think that he, he's that dude. Like I think he is... a. Uh, a legitimate 
wide receiver two in the NFL with the potential to be much more than that. I agree. I think he's had a great camp. Let's get to best interview. A fun one here, a fun award from Sal and Matt here in the always and the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. To me, this is a runaway winner. There's not even close to anybody who is as good at the podium as Matthew Smiley. Matthew <laughs> Smiley, the special teams coordinator, is an amazing interview, an amazing guy just to kind of talk to, be engaged with. He's fun. He's insightful. He gives you a little bit of everything, Matt. I loved hearing from him, not only at this camp, but his first ever interview at the Bills media room when he went around the room and shook hands with everybody and met them. And he's been great. And uh, to me, he's the best interview by far. Smiley's a very good answer. Uh, you could have also went with yourself on Pat McAfee. That would have, oh, been, accept- you, that would have been an acceptable answer. I'm going to go with Isaiah McKenzie. Okay. And this is nothing new, but he is just so entertaining. The guy lives to be on camera, to be on the radio, to be on podcasts. He's so entertaining. I remember we were sitting there at his first press conference of training camp, and he's having all of this rod, you know, the stretch of great days, and people are asking him, like, are you comfortable doing this? Are you comfortable doing this? How do you see yourself as a player? And he's like, I'll do whatever I've got to do if it means that I can make more money. Like, that's ultimately what I want to do. And I just like kind of love the transparency there. And then we did an interview off to the side with him, and he brought an air horn. And I posted the video. He walks around training camp with an air horn to scare his teammates, basically. And he was walking over to us and he's got the air horn and he sets it down. And I'm like, don't set it down. It's like, if you've got it, bring it over here. So he kind of like did it at the start of the interview and he did it again at the end of the interview. Isaiah McKenzie is just a really fun dude. And he always, to me, is a super great interview. Matt, who do you have as player who is now firmly on the bubble? Whether they worked their way to the bubble like in a good way, or worked their way off a roster spot to the bubble. All right, I'm going to go with another player that I mentioned earlier, but I'm going to say Isaiah Hodgins on this one. And I think that he is right there, depending on how many wide receivers the Bills keep. Going into camp, I kind of thought Tavon Austin would be more involved than he maybe has been up to this point. I think right now the guys who are locks are Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Kumaro and Shakir. So right now, those are six guys who I think all of them are making the team. If they decide to keep seven right now, I would say that I think Hodgins is kind of my number seven. So that's why for me, he is like firmly on the bubble on the offensive side of things. Okay. So the guy I'm going to go with also has worked his way, I think, to being on the bubble. And this name is going to make some, maybe a lot of Bills fans mad. Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart might make this team, Matt. He gets run at guard and he looks comfortable there. This, I I could make this a twofold and say, Matt, I think this might come down to Bobby Hart against Cody Ford, to be quite honest with you, for a roster spot on this football team. And the reason I said some Bills Mafia might get mad, Bobby Hart has been like super criticized by Bills fans, often the target of criticism over the last year since last preseason when he was kind of a turnstile at tackle. And I'll say, yeah, he was. He's also He was also basically out of position. He's playing guard now. He's, I think, acclimating himself pretty well. He's getting a lot of run. He doesn't seem like, like I'm watching him, and I think he holds up pretty well in some of the one-on-one drills, but the biggest tell sign is how much, how many reps he's getting. He's out there. He's working in for some of these injured guys, Greg Manns, Ryan Bates, whoever it is. Bobby Hart's out there. I think Bobby Hart's on this bubble, man. I don't disagree with you. And I almost think that they trust him more than they trust Cody Ford. 
I, I'm a little concerned with the offensive line, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily concerned that they're not healthy. I'm just concerned maybe, maybe by their lack of depth at some of those positions. And I think that gets better when eventually Ike Butker comes back. I think it gets better when Spencer Brown starts to get more run, and then you can figure out is Questenberry your, you know, I think you called him the new Ryan Bates kind right. of, which mm-hmm. seems fair. But after those guys, it gets a little sketchy, and they're still kind of counting on Spencer Brown, who had a you know rookie year. There were a lot of ups. There were also some downs mixed in. Big responsibility, playing right tackle in the NFL. Ryan Bates, really nice stretch down the season. Small sample size. They love his versatility. They made the right move. But I'm just starting to wonder like, if that will be the position that becomes the biggest issue for the team. And I don't think it's going to ever become an issue where they like, you know, become a bad team or anything, but got to win in the trenches. And I'm more confident with the defensive line than I am with the offensive line. And I don't know if I would have felt that same way before camp started. All right. Two more left. We're going to go offensive MVP and defensive MVP before we head on out of here after these two awards. We want to remind you, please, to download, subscribe. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's always game day in Buffalo. We really appreciate it. Obviously, through your, all of your Odyssey platforms on the app. You have smart devices you can listen to things too. but really, you can go to Apple iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else that you pod. We'd always appreciate you giving us a really strong rating and giving us a nice comment as well because that will help kind of boost us up there so people know about where they can get their best Buffalo Bills content. So Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio here. Thanks a lot for downloading, subscribing, and if you haven't yet, please do so. All right, offensive MVP, a guy we've talked about several times already. I'm just going to stick with the guy who, to me, has been from day one terrific, and that is Isaiah McKenzie. I think Isaiah McKenzie's had a great camp. He's done so much. He's been integrated in this offense. Coaches have talked about him. Josh Allen's talked about him. I'm going to give him the offensive MVP because every time I look up, he's making plays. Now, he did have to sit a couple of days because of some soreness and things like that, but I'm going to uh, go with Isaiah McKenzie as the offensive MVP. And I'm going to go with another wide receiver, and I could honestly go in the direction of Stefan Diggs Mm -hmm. if I really wanted to, but I'm going to go with Gabe Davis just because he usually gets the lesser competition. Mm -hmm. He will in the regular season, like he is going to be the guy who's going up against other teams, second cornerbacks. And I think those are going to be matchups that he feasts on. And he has done nothing to slow down the Gabe Davis hype train during training camp. He has made big play after big play. He has been reliable. He seems like he is now the leader of that room with Stefan Diggs. Like for those of you who haven't been to training camp, the wide receivers kind of like usually work off to the side. And now it used to be Stefan Diggs, Isaiah, or excuse me, it used to be Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders kind of hung out in this like little area where they were like the dudes with Chad Hall. Now it's Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis doing that. Like Gabe Davis, I think, is ready for, like I said a couple minutes ago, a really big season. And I think he's had an outstanding training camp. Okay. I'll let you wrap this one up. The defensive MVP. This is a tricky one because there's a couple different ways that you could go, but I'm just going to keep it simple and I'm going to go Von Miller. Von Miller is really good. And I think that I was a little skeptical about a 33-year-old edge rusher and how much gas he would have left in the tank, but he does not at all look 33. He blows up plays, and he also can, – can I, okay, who is yours? Because I kind of have a two-part answer here because I think you're going to say the other guy that I was going to say. 
Mine is Ed Oliver, actually. Okay, so that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm glad you went with Vaughn because I didn't want to have the same one. I'm going Ed Oliver. I think he's been a one-man wrecking crew at times on defense. And I think it goes hand in hand. Like, I think that Ed Oliver is ready to have a huge season, but I think having Vaughn there also really helps Ed Oliver. We have spent plenty of time discussing how Vaughn Miller can help grow Greg Rousseau's game, AJ Epinesa's game, Boogie Basham's game. He might have the biggest impact on Ed Oliver. Those two all training camp have been attached at the hip. Everywhere Vaughn goes, Ed follows him. So I think that, you know, the of course the comparison people want to make is Aaron Donald. And that's ludicrous because mm-hmm. Aaron Donald might be the best defensive lineman like to ever play football when it's all said and done. But my goodness, Ed Oliver has been great. And I think that's because of him. And I think it's because of Von Miller, not just as the football player, but also as the mentor. All right. Our offensive Defensive MVPs, we have a lot more awards. And like I said, I don't really want to know what to give these people. Maybe we could just tell them, hey, you won our training camp award. When they say, what do I get? Say really nothing except Matt and I talking about you. What's your best meal? What was your best Rochester meal? My best Rochester meal. Oh, you know what? See, um, there's been a few. There's been a few. I've had, I had a really, I, this is going to sound really bad because it's a Buffalo audience. I had a great sandwich at the Pittsburgh pub called The Brady. And she and the waitress said it is not named after Tom Brady. It is actually named after the owner's son, whose name is Brady. And it was like it's like a steak sandwich, basically, with a bunch of different kinds of sauces and peppers on it. And it was pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, that's not I mean, it's we we don't struggle to find good meals when we're in Rochester. There's a lot of great places to go. Yes. How about you? Mine was I went to Mike Catalana's house and there oh! were tur- and they homemade turkey burgers and okay. they were exceptional. <laughs> so shout out to Jenny for the homemade turkey burgers. Homemade they were outsta- turkey burgers. They were outstanding. She shared her secrets. I'm not going to share them on the podcast. I think it's like a you know family recipe thing, but I have it in the back pocket in case I ever decide to. Because you know how the turkey burgers were like the big story yes. at the beginning of the camp, and I it was you did a story on them. Yeah, and like it was a joke. It's meant to be fun, but I remember. So Mike lives, you know, relatively close to St. John Fisher. And I was on a walk one morning and he calls me and he's like, hey, come in for a cup of coffee. And we're sitting there. And she basically Jenny was like, I make the best turkey burgers. I'll have you over for that. And they they were delicious. So shout out to them because they were (laughs) they were awesome. All right, folks, we appreciate you listening to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Once again, please download, subscribe, throw us some nice ratings. Matt and I will be back very soon. The Bills kick off preseason 2022 on Saturday at Highmark Stadium against the Indianapolis Colts.